0: Well, good morning. morning. Find your Bibles and find the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Thank you, sir. Can I go on record saying, welcome back Trey and Heather and their family. Amen. Part of me was missing for a minute. Book of Jonah. you can't find Jonah, it's okay. Use your table of contents, that's perfectly fine, or you can go between the book of Obadiah and Micah, that's fine too. Page number 922 in my Bible, I don't know if that helps you at all, but book of Jonah. You know, most people are familiar with the story of Jonah. Kids today, I'm going to talk about when I was a kid. Along with David and Goliath, this was one of my all-time favorite Bible stories because it translates to flannel graphs so well. Jonah swallowed up by the what? Kids, what? Whale, big fish. Yes, um, it's not um, it's not lore. It's not just a story. It's true. It happened. It's in your Bible. And most people, they 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 would say they believe in the story of Jonah, and, uh, but it's kind of reserved for kids. It's kind of a, it's a Sunday school story, but I, I believe this story of the reluctant prophet is a, is a story for all of us. It's a lesson for all of us today, and I believe it'll speak into our lives I'm just going to take a few minutes of your time, and I want to just see what lessons we can learn from this incredible story. I'm just going to be in chapter 1 of the book of Jonah. I would ask you to follow along with me. If you have your Bible, pull it out. Let's go to Jonah chapter 1. Let's just read verse 1, 2, and 3. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. Your Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Man, I just had pages of notes on verse two, but I, I'm I'm gonna breeze right through it. I'm gonna try. I'm not gonna get stalled in it. But the, actually, the, the more I linger here, the, the more apt I am to get stalled in it, because I, I just love that when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, he, he didn't mince his words. It wasn't at your convenience. It wasn't if you feel like it, it was go. And he didn't go. He didn't say go and make people feel good. He said go and preach against it. Because wickedness has rose up in the city and came before the very face of God. Man, I need to go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3. Everybody say but. But. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish and he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah, as I said, is labeled as the reluctant prophet. And we, we, we understand where that comes from. He, he, he didn't want to do what God told him to do. I get that. But he was still a prophet of God, a prophet of God that uh, historians say he he did what the, what God commanded him to do, and it was this one this one little incident in his life one one blurb on his timeline where he didn 't want to do what God told him to do. Can anybody relate to that yet so So this is the story for us, amen. He did what was right, but in this story he did not want to obey before we really dive into it, I want to just look at a couple of words. It'll, I think it'll help us just get an idea of who we're talking about. The, the name Jonah means dove or peaceful one. It's interesting. It, it, it kind of tells me that Jonah really didn't want to go and preach against the city, he didn't want to go and preach to the city. He, he didn't want confrontation. He, he, he knew it could easily cause a conflict. It could cause a battle. It could even cause a war. But I love the fact that he's called the son of Amittai. And Amittai, the, the definition of his word, his name is truth. So, so Jonah was the son of truth. I think a prophet should be called the son of truth. And Jonah, even though he was the son of truth, he was reluctant to go and... Share the truth. And of course, Nineveh is the place he was told to go, and he he was commanded to go there, and it was the capital of Assyria, and and we'll talk a minute about why that's a big deal, but Nineveh was absolutely, at that time, Israel's foremost enemy. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go preach to him. He didn't want to tell him the word of the Lord, but let's look again at verse 1, and as we do, let's start to dive into this story. I believe God's going to show us something. Are you still with me? Verse 1, just the first part. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Let me pause there. God is a God who wants to speak. I want us to stop. I want us to just rest right here for a second and just embrace the fact that God is a God who wants to speak. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. God is constantly speaking. God has never stopped speaking. God speaks, and when God speaks, things happen. Amen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord will come to you today, but we have to receive it. The word of the Lord will come to you and I today. We just have to receive it. God's a God that... Whenever he spoke, when he said, let there be, there was. When God said there would be healing, there was healing. When God said there would be light, there was light. And when God killed things, it was dead. Until God said, live again. Amen. He created with the spoken word. God is a speaking God. He spoke with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. He speaks to you. He speaks to you through your kids. He speaks to you through people. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his heart. And throughout history, God speaks in different ways. He spoke through his audible voice. If you've ever heard the voice of the Lord, which again, you will hear today, you know you can't deny that it's God's voice. But we can reject God's voice. The word of the Lord came to Jonah I want us to realize today that we might not hear him in an audible voice, but we hold his word. This is his word. God speaks today through this word. And and you might think that it's just a random verse that you've stumbled upon. No, it's God's word. It's God trying to speak to you. It's, It's God trying to convey something to you that you may have never seen before. You may have never heard before, or maybe you have, but God knows you're ripe to hear it again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord is going to come to you today. I just ask you to receive it. It's living. This word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword your Bible says. I love when the Bible speaks about the Bible. I love it. His word will cause you to change. If you lean into this word, you cannot stay the same. You can't. You have to literally go against this word, if you lean into this word and something comes up that is different in you than it is in this word, you have to either reject this word or conform to this word. You, 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 you can't stay the same. If you reject it and go away, you're not the same. No, you're not the same at all. And if you let the word transform you, you're not the same. The word changes. Amen. But in Jonah's case, Jonah said, I do not want to be obedient to you. Now, we know he didn't verbally say that, but by his unwillingness to comply to the command of the Lord, he basically said, I'm not going to obey. I want you to feel the weight of that. Because the good news is the word of the Lord will come to you. The challenging news for many people, maybe you, it certainly was for me, And if you're taking notes, number one, when the word of the Lord comes to you, he will often ask you to do something you don't want to do. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. And the reason we don't want to do it a lot of the times is because we think we know best. Can I speak to just me today? we try to convince ourselves we know what's better we 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 have our opinion on what is not just right and wrong but we will we will create opinions about what we think's good better or best let me let me let me let me illustrate this on in such a non spiritual platform if i could how many of you genuinely in your heart of hearts and you're this close you would you'd probably fight over it you think Coke is better, raise your hand. See, I love this crowd because that's blasphemy. <laughs> Who thinks Pepsi's better? Bless the Lord, I'm in the right church. But the reality is Dive Mountain Dew's best. Amen. See, so, so so what we determine to be better, good, not so good, best. It's just our opinion, and when the word of the Lord comes to us, and the word of the Lord commands us to do something, we try to determine if that's best for us. We try to determine in our own feeble mind sometimes what we want to do. We can say, you know what, I think I've got more knowledge about this, God, than you do. I I think I know what's best, and we'll say, you know what, I I don't feel like that's the thing I need to do. I want to do... What I think is the right thing to do. We think we know best, and the Lord comes to us, and we hear him, but we reject it. This was the context of Jonah. What did the word of the Lord tell Jonah to do? We saw it in verse 2. Let's read it again. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, you might think, as I would think, and you'd be totally right to think it, Jonah is a prophet of God, so he has to go, right? I mean... He's a prophet for crying out loud. That's what prophets do. God speaks, prophets go, prophets say stuff. But Jonah, he waited out in his mind. He decided, you know what? I've heard you. I've thought about it. And I'm not going to obey this assignment. You, we, we read it. When you understand the history of Nineveh as, as its relation to Israel, you kind of understand a little bit, or at least we, we try to, although it's not an excuse. We, 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 try to give it a, we try to use this as a reason because the, 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 the Syrian empire, the, the Ninevites hated Israel and literally vice versa. They, the Israelites hated Nineveh because the Assyrian Empire specifically the Nineveh which was the capital of the Syrian empire they, they were just brutal man they were brutal anybody says the Bible's boring they haven't read the Bible because it's, 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 it's I mean they were just brutal they would the Ninevites would come into a, a town a village a city state and they would just I mean they would just leave it in the wake of destruction they would come in and they would, first of all, they would just do away with all the strong men. I mean, they would just annihilate them. They would, they would take the, the women as captives. And the weaker men, they would take out in the outskirts of the city, and they would just do horrible things to them, which I will gloss over for the sake of our audience today. But please understand, it wasn't pretty. And they would do things to these men until they would eventually pass away. They would, they would, they would die from the, from the torture. And the Assyrian army, the, the Ninevites, would cut off the heads of their captives and they would pile them up like a pyramid, just skulls. It was sending a message to anybody that would come by that the Ninevites are in the house. See, I, I, I understand... Why Jonah would be hesitant and reluctant to go and stand up to these brutes and say that God wasn't pleased and preach to them and preach at them and preach against them because of their wickedness. There's a part of me that gets that. But then there's the part of me that has to tell the truth that says, if God tells you to do it, you have to do it. And you have to trust him no matter what in your mind it plays out as. No matter what you think it's going to be like, no matter how you think it's going to end up, you have to do what God tells you to do. Amen. History wasn't and, and didn't ever paint the Ninevites with a pretty picture. And now with this data, maybe you've got a little mercy on Jonah. Maybe you're trying to be a little understanding as I tried to be and maybe you would say, I wouldn't want to go there either. You know, as I was studying and I've been in this book of Jonah for a minute now, just trying to get more out of it and glean more out of this great story because it's so relevant to us today, although it seems so long ago. As I'm reading it, I got to thinking maybe Maybe Jonah had a relative or a friend or knew somebody that had suffered under the hand of the Ninevites. How many know that's a whole different ball game? I mean, that's, that's next-level stuff for you to have to go in and, and preach to them to try to save them from God's wrath. There's a part of you that would think, you know what? I've got legitimate reasons why I do not want you to be saved. I've got legitimate reasons why I don't want to go to you and tell you the truth. And I believe that the word of the Lord will come to some of us today, and we're going to hear specifically from God, and he's going to say, this is what you need to do. And in our mind, we're going to say, yes, I think so, and I understand that's what you're saying, God, and I understand what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Can I just validate that for just a second? I'm not going to tell you it's okay, but I am going to tell you I understand because I've told God that many, many times. God, I don't want to do this. Maybe for you, someone has wronged you, hurt you, hurt someone that you love, and the word of the Lord comes to you and says, forgive them. Man, that's so easier said than done. Am I right? You see, we have to forgive them how we've been forgiven. And those are big words to live by. And you might say, you know what? They don't deserve it. They've never ever owned what they did to me. It's not part of the equation. Not for you anyway. Your part of the equation is forgive them. Maybe, 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 and I, and I know... You, you, we've all heard it, and I don't think it can be over-preached. We, I probably don't speak on it enough. But we've all heard the teaching on the biblical tithe, and we all say, yep, you're absolutely right. That's what we need to do. But then we tell God how we can't do it. No, no, that doesn't make sense, God. See, I've got this much. And let me tell you something we've we've, we've kind of made him we've kind of made a mistake the word of the lord has come to all of us and said give to the lord amen but but even that phrase even that phrase affects how we approach this mentally because we're not really giving to the Lord we're returning to the Lord because it's already his and when we say we're giving it, it's like a giant sacrifice to us. And if we'll tell ourselves we're not giving it, we're just returning it. We're just returning what you've a portion of what you've already, it's yours anyway, God. So you know what? I'm going to return back. I'm not giving up anything. I'm returning off of the bounty that you've given me. I'm returning back what you've required of me. The word of the Lord has come to us on that. But, I, but listen, again, I want to validate it. I know, God, that's what you said. But at the end of the day, even though I say I want to, I do what I want to do. And I just can't. So what's the next thing you want me to do? And we're waiting on the next thing God wants us to do when we haven't done the first thing God's told us to do. And we wait. And we wait. We get discouraged. We get beside ourselves. We get angry. We get bitter. We get out of church. We get out of fellowship and out of the covering of our local assembly. And the next thing you know, I can't stand those church people anymore. Can I say on record, publicly, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, because the word of the Lord will come to us, and he's going to tell us to do things that we don't want to do, and we have to do what God tells us to do. Maybe the word of the Lord has come to you. I don't know what it is, but maybe he's come to you, and you said, you're right. I'm going to do that later. Kids, I put this in your notes because your parents told me to. Just kidding. I put this in your notes, kids, that delayed obedience is disobedience. Not just with the Lord, but with your pops and mom too. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And if we'll just own that today, as we just use this story of Jonah as a template over our life, whatever God is telling you to do, whatever the word of the Lord is that's come to you, don't delay don't delay. Do what it is he's told you to do. It's 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 kind of like the parenting technique of uh, I guess of delayed disobedience, where you know do this. Come on now, do this. I've told you to do this. I've, 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 I'm telling you again. You got to do this. You need to do this. Uh, Dwayne, one, two. Mom and I used to do it. Mom and I did a parenting class. And, uh, and I needed it more than anybody. So after she taught me, we gave a class. And I, I, I just straight up came right out and why it's a horrible idea to be counting to your kids. I've never known a kid that went on one. You haven't either. Your kid might have once, but you, you said it with the belt in your hand. <laughs> We're teaching delayed obedience. We're teaching one, two, two. you know, God don't count. Can I tell you right now, God don't count. He speaks it. You make the decision in your heart what you're going to do. God keeps moving. Do you hear me? God keeps moving. God don't stop. Delayed obedience. (laughs) I, I use the example. We were given that class of rumor has it that I had been pulled over by the police a time or two back in the day. By back in the day, I meant, you know, last year probably. But what I've learned, I've never had it happen to me because my my mama was a great mama, and she taught me that you, you don't count. When an officer tells you to get out of a car, he don't count. You're coming out through the window, or you're coming out... We get get that. We understand. Why do we think God is playing games with us? Why do we think that? When the word of the Lord comes to us, whether we want to do it or not, we have to understand how important it is for us to just obey. I love Erwin McManus, who's a pastor, who's an author over in California. In one of his books, he said this. I quote, the mark of maturity is the lag time. You can tell the maturity of a person between the distance of the command and the obedience. He goes on to say if the distance is short, they're showing maturity. If the distance is long, it's immaturity. End quote. That'll preach. Sometimes the word of the Lord will come to you and it will often ask you to do things you don't want to do. Number two, if you're taking notes, I suggest to you that when God speaks to you, when God speaks to you, you'll always be able to find a boat going in the wrong direction. Always. 101% of the time, you'll be able to find a way to get out of what God's told you to do. I hope you're hearing me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Watch how it plays out for Jonah. Verse 3. Jonah ran away, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, and he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After he paid the fare, he was, went aboard that and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, I just, I, I, I get into this minutiae in studying the Bible. I love it. It may not mean nothing to you. It means a ton to me because, again, there's a little bit of Jonah in me, so I see it. It's 2,500 miles between Nineveh and Tarshish, 2,500 miles. I wanted to know, I know what it would take me to go that far, driving, even flying. I know how long it would take. I wanted to know how long it took in Jonah's day. Almost all the historians that I read on this subject, they said this, quote, It would take about a year to sell from where he was to where he was going. End quote. Church, that's a lot of running. You are so bound and determined to not do what God told you to do that for an entire year, you're going to go the exact opposite direction in where God told you to go. There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. Amen. Now, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you can relate because everybody thinks they're on track. Everybody thinks they're, they're doing this right. But you know, in, in our heart of hearts, we've, some of us, we've just been running from God for a very, very long time. Now, hold, now look, before you tune me out, not in every area of our life. This is how we make ourselves feel better. This is how we pacify the Jonah in us. No, no, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know I'm, I'm not doing this yet. I'm just not there yet. God didn't, that, that's not how God works. No, no, no. When the word of the Lord comes, it comes to you because A, you're ready, and B, he expects it. He, he, there's no allowance there. If it came to you, it's for you. If it comes to me, it's for me. Amen. But, but Jeff, what about I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I've never read my Bible more. I could not be more proud of that, and I'm so pleased, and thank you. I love it. Carry on. But we can't just pretend this part right here is not being ran from. We can't. Because there is a little bit of Jonah in all of us. And because of that, we got to address the part we're running from. Because no matter how far you think you go, please hear this. I'm speaking from experience. There's nothing high and mighty about this statement. I'm not speaking out of gross spiritual maturity. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how far you go. You're going to have to come back and deal with this before you can go all the way. You have to. You have to. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, when God speaks, you'll always be able to find a way not to do what you've been told to do. Maybe you're on the run. Maybe you're on the run and you think you get away with it. I just want you to understand. And again, I'm speaking experientially. You can only run a little while. You know, because the word of the Lord will catch up with you. We're gonna figure that out here in just a few minutes. (laughs) You can't run forever. Maybe you're not running as much as you are drifting. Yeah, Jeff, I'm not running. God knows my heart. I'm not running. You know, sometimes you run, but sometimes you drift. Sometimes you just you just drift. You just drift. And here's, here's the thing about drifting. When you're drifting, let's say here's my, my focal point right here. When you drift, you just kind of drift over here. But then when you go to go back, you kind of only go back to here. Then when you drift, you drift a little farther, don't you, Dwayne? Then you go to go back. I'm reminded of last year we went on vacation with family Trey and Heather, Ryan and Candice and all their families, Kim and I, we went to Torch Lake in Michigan and we were playing on the sandbar. This is right before I almost drowned. I know what you girls are talking about right now, but that's not important right now. Stop laughing at me. I know how to swim. We're playing on the sandbar and, and, and Dylan and, and I, we're, we've got these goggles on and stuff and we're, we're looking for stuff on the bottom of the lake, right? It was, I don't, it was, that was fun. So we're getting stuff off the bottom of the lake and I come up. And I didn't know where I was. We were so far out on this sandbar. And I'll, I'll speak for myself. Dylan probably had a comp- great idea of where he was. I was so confused. I'm over here. I'm, I'm way off. Where we hit the came into the beach, onto the lake, it, was, it felt like a 100 miles away. It wasn't, but it felt... I had drifted, and I never knew it. I had drifted to the point where... The, the water temperature didn't change. The water depth didn't change. What I was doing didn't change. But what happened was, because I had lost my focal point on the shore, I had drifted away from it, and when I finally came up and wanted to establish where I was, I was not where I thought I was. In fact, I had drifted very far off of where I should have been. To the point where, to there comical point. I had got off so far where it was so deep had it not been for my wife it would have just been passing away and flying solo for the rest of the time. (laughs) Because you can get in over your head when you drift. And even though I'm not a panicker I'm not that guy. In fact, Kim, Kim tells it. I don't remember this, but Kim says that I said, what did I say? I need help. I'm going to say that again because somebody missed that completely. I'm, I'm, I'm up, I'm down. My next move was I'm going to go down as far as I can go, kick off the bottom, shoot towards shore. It's whatever I think shore is, but see, that was the problem. I didn't know where I was. I was in over my head now, and my mind—the doubt came in that if I shoot off, what if I'm shooting farther out? Because I didn't know the direction I should have been going in, because I allowed myself to drift. Next thing I know, I just—I came up, I made contact, eye contact with Kim, and she was—I mean, she—I don't know how far it was. It felt like an eternity, and I said, "I need help." Next thing I know. She's pulling me out. I want you to hear me. Drifting is as dangerous as running. I would suggest more so because we will tell ourselves we're okay. When God speaks to you, you're going to find a way to find a boat going in the opposite direction. I want to encourage you today. Just stop. Man, just stop. Stop. Be honest about where you're at, because you know what I'm talking about. Let's just play it out like it plays out. You're praying, God answers your prayer, you're stoked. You can't pray enough. God says, say something to your coworker, say something to a family member. You do, they come to Jesus, they come to church with you. Oh my goodness, I'm Billy Graham. I'm starting to churn. I don't whatever you do I don't know and and now you just can't you can't tell enough people then all of a sudden something comes up new job new shift opportunity for promotion none of these things are bad FYI next thing you know your focus is off Again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you like this because I know what I'm talking about. And one day, let's just make it as plain as we can. One day you just skip church. Next day you skip. Next Sunday you skip. Next Sunday you skip. You ain't wasn't in his word but two days this week. And you're not praying as much as you were. And all of a sudden you're wondering why God ain't moving. Oh, let me just reiterate, God is always moving, and God is always speaking. I can't say that loud enough. And we wonder, how did I get so far from God? He drifted. I have drifted. When God speaks. You will always find a reason to not do what he's asking you to do. My question I want to pose to all of the Jonas and all of us is is that worth it? Is it? I think we need to wrestle with that question today. But number three, know this, kids, this is the story gets really good. If you run, which you can, but if you do, God may send a storm to get your attention. Again, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Now, this is the part of the story. Where you can't even teach this Dwayne without meddling a little bit. I mean you just can't. Because you have the you have the camp over here that the devil's behind every bush, and you have the camp over here that God God can't God would never do anything like that. God would never send a storm. God would no, no, God's in the storm. God's in the storm. He speaks through the storm. He speaks to the storm. And if we choose to run, which we can, I'm not saying he will, but he may send a storm to get your attention. He did to Jonah. Verse 4 of our text in Jonah 1, Then the Lord, then the Lord, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now, we might have such great control of our life that we think, Even if it starts to break up, we can hold it together. Can I remind all of us, this boat was full of seasoned, experienced sailors. Yeah. They were transporting cargo. Historians say it was one of the strongest ships on the water. They were going from port to port, but the wind was so great, that it was challenging the very integrity of the ship. And it was starting to break up. And they begin to ask each other, whose fault is this? (laughs) We do that, don't we? We do that. And Instead of just owning it, we will ask, whose fault is this? Whose fault is this? Whose fault is this? Why am I where I'm at? They drew straws. They did this little lottery type thing. And finally, it all came to surface that it was Jonah's fault. See, I, 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 know, I know every time you've heard this taught, you've had this subject come up, but I need to touch on it because it's, it's just right there for the picking. When, when you run, you're not just affecting yourself. You're affecting everybody in your boat. Verse 8 of Jonah 1 says, so they ask him. I want you to look at these questions. Mm. So they ask him, these are the sailors, they're asking Jonah, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? These are men questions. Do you hear me? These are men talking to men. What work do you do? He said, where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Jonah replied in verse 9. He answered, I am a Hebrew. I want you to look, look at this. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, stay with me. I'm going to read it again. When they asked Jonah the question, here was his reply. One, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. And then he explains who the Lord is the best we can. But I want you to notice, he says, I worship the Lord. May I, may I just be the guy that says, do you really, Jonah? I mean, I mean, at this point in your life, right now, do you? No, I, 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 I get you have the title. I get it. I get it. I get it. you're prophet Jonah. We understand. But really, are you right now? Are you? Do you know where you're at? You're in a boat in the middle of a storm because you said no. Are you worshiping God? Are you? I know you're saying the right things, Jonah. No, no, Jonah, I get it. You're the God of heaven who made the sea. I know I get it. Those are beautiful poetic words. Oh, they're beautiful. But are you really? Are you really worshiping the Lord? I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Verse 10. This terrified them. Why would this terrify them? It terrified them because they're like, no, Wait. No, no. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're lying. You're not worshiping the Lord. You said you're worshiping the Lord, and you said some beautiful things. This terrified demon, they ask, what have you done? And then the writer includes this little parenthetical statement. They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. Church, I'm I, I'm. I don't. I, you, you've heard me speak many times, and I've said many times, and I hope it's indicative in the messages that the Lord gives me that I give to you. And that is, I, I preach like it's the last time I'll ever get a chance to preach. So, I, when God gives me something to say, I got to say it. I just want you to know that I'm saying what I'm getting ready to say out of love. I believe one of the biggest problems in the church today, and I look in the mirror when I say it we got a generation of people that call themselves people of God, Christ followers, Christians, but they don't live like it. It's a cultural Christianity. That's what Jonah's doing right here. Notice, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Hebrew. I'm American. <clears throat> do, do this little preacher a favor. And and never paint the flag on a cross ever again, please. Because us being American has nothing to do with our faith. But see, we're cultural Christians. So was Jonah. I'm a Hebrew. I mean, this goes without saying, right? We're God's people. What no? This is America. We're founded on Christian, by our forefathers who were. One of the biggest drifts that the church is doing right now is cultural Christianity. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrifies people in the storm. Think if we would address the Jonah in all of us, we'd get delivered like Jonah was delivered. <laughs> the sailors are freaking out. Rightfully so. Jonah says, it's my fault. And some of you are going to recognize this right now. Jonah owns up to it. Verse 12, he says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm I know it's my fault. This great storm has come. Do you see the ownership here? Look, look at the steps. Go ahead. Pick me up. Throw me into the sea. Now, that's a little drastic. But I want you to understand, he didn't have to be there. He did not have to be in this predicament. He did not have to be in this situation. For a year, he ran. Finally, God had to send a storm to get his attention. You know, a boat can turn around. You know, the, the boat wouldn't have been on the water for a year. It would have had to stop. One of one of the historians I was reading about saying that how many how many days or it was weeks actually that they would have to stop in ports along the way before they got to Tarshish. They would they would stop. He could have got off that boat at any time, but he chose to drift. Throw me off the boat, throw me into the sea, and it's going to become calm. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He owned it, he owned it. But the sailors, they want to have mercy on him, so they really care about him. They care about people. I believe they were afraid of what God might do since he was a prophet. That's just my opinion. You don't have to even listen to that. But they tried to do something very interesting, they tried to row through the storm. Let me help you something. Jonah. Jonah played played the humility card. Look at the humility card. Pick me up. It's my fault. My bad. Why didn't he just jump over? Dwayne, why didn't he jump in? Why didn't he just... If he knew it was his fault, if he knew, if he jumped in, He said, when I get off this boat, the storm's going to stop. Did he say it? Yes or no? He said it. Why did he say, go ahead, throw me in. I'll wait. Storm cracking. He said, it's my fault. See, that's what we do. We own it just enough to say we own it, but we don't do anything about what it is we say we're owning. He's still leaving it up to somebody else hear me those sailors they did what the sailors knew to do your bible says they began to row you can't row through a storm they tried their best they because he played the humility card they wanted to lean into that okay you know what you're right thank you we'll do whatever we can to help you now it wasn't in their hands it was in jonah's hands When he said it was me, thanks, guys, I'm out. That's what he should have done. Because God sent the storm because he wouldn't stop running. Man, I hope you're seeing this. Anyway, because they can't row through a storm, they ended up doing what I believe they didn't want to do because they even threw some cargo out and stuff like that, trying to save the vessel. They eventually threw him out. They threw Jonah overboard, and the sea goes calm. You know the story. Then something that we really can't comprehend. kid, this is the kids, this is where it's awesome. You know what's coming, and I'll close with this final thought. N- N- number one, when, when God's word comes to you, you know you're, you may ask you to do something you don't want to do. And number two, when God speaks, you can always find a boat going in the wrong direction, and three, if you continue to run, he might send a storm. Number four, Jonah's worst nightmare was part of his deliverance. Somebody say amen. Somebody say oh me. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord provided. (laughs) I love this. We just read a minute ago where God sent the storm. So none of this is by chance. None of this this is from the devil. None of this is evil. No, God sent the storm. He sent the word. Man made the decision. God had to send a storm. But he's gracious and so full of mercy. And so he sent a fish. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days And three nights, please notice again, it was his worst scenario he could have possibly come up with, but it came from the Lord. It was exactly what he needed. And I I just believe that I think some of us, we need to stop fighting what it is God's trying to do. I'm not saying throw in the towel. I'm not saying give up on yourself. Certainly don't give up on the Lord, but we got to stop fighting him. Sometimes our deliverance will come through what we conceive and perceive as our worst nightmare and worst scenario we could ever think of. And can I just again validate it and say, I get it. Nobody wants to go through those things. Jonah didn't want to go in the belly of the well. Money back guarantee. But man, I bet he's so glad it came. We maybe talk about that at another time. But I believe God's trying to say, okay, Jonah, do I have your attention now? As he's sitting in the belly of a well, belly of a huge fish, and some of you might be facing things right now that you just think it couldn't get any worse. Oh, wait. First of all, never say that. But second of all, could it be that this is part of your deliverance? Could it be it's part of what God's using to draw you back into alignment with him? Here's what I know. Running from it won't change it. It won't. It can't. It's impossible. Running from it won't change it. He couldn't outswim the fish. No. The word of the Lord will come to you. You'll have a choice. Obey, disobey. When it comes, you're going to find a way to get out of it. There are going to be a ship sailing in the opposite direction. You're going to get on it. You're going to do what God says. We also discussed that if you don't obey, he might have to send a storm to get your attention. You can't outrun the storm. And somebody specifically I'm speaking to today, if the storm doesn't do it, he's gonna use your worst possible scenario to save you. Will you let him? Pray with me. All over the house. When when God, when God speaks, we need to obey. I, can't, I, I just can't stress that enough, but me repeating it doesn't change anything. But if God has to send the storm, please understand he does this because he loves us. He does it because he has something better for you and I. He does, he does what he does for our benefit, not even his own. Father, we ask that the Spirit of God would just rest on this place. Move, speak to us about what it is you're saying what you want us to do where you want us to go Lord for those of us in the room that have drifted God I pray that we would stop we would get our bearings we'd get back to where we're supposed to be with you but Lord if we've drifted so far we don't even know how I pray that we would just say I need help we cry out to you Lord still praying i believe some of you are going to recognize that you've been on the run some of you are going to recognize you've been on a drift man i'm not here to beat you down i'm here to throw you a life preserver and his name's jesus i don't know what you're running from but maybe you've recognized it's time for me to come back it's time for me to repent it's time for me to go back and do What I was supposed to do, fall in love with my first love. Your prayer today should be, God, renew the joy of your salvation. God, accept me back. Forgive my disobedience. Let's do this thing. You are the Lord of my life. I've drifted, but I'm coming home. (laughs) If that's you today, would you just indicate it with a movement of your hand? Jeff, I've moved. I've ran. I've drifted. God bless you. Who else? Thank you, dear. Who else? It's a beautiful thing to come home. I know there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, man. I'm not being condescending about it, and I don't think I could have taught this any simpler. But the reality of it is, we just have to obey. If you believe, if you're here today, it's none of my business what it is, unless God tells you to share it with me, or Pastor away. But listen, if. If you know that God spoke to you about something and, and you, you just, you've just said no or not now or whatever, I want to pray for you specifically. I ain't going to call your name, but will you just indicate it with a movement of your hand? Jeff, I need, I need to do what he's told me to do, and I need prayer to do it. Anybody? God bless you, dear. Who else? Who else? All of you that's raised your hand, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, first and foremost, we thank you for forgiving us and offering a way and providing a way for us to do the right thing, to come home. Lord, we're sorry. We repent. We repent of our disobedience. We repent of not doing what it is you've told us to do. And God, we go in the power of your name And God, we put our fear aside. We leave the end result to you. And we say thank you for speaking to us. We will do what you've told us to do. In Jesus' name. Finally. Maybe you're here. And the word of the Lord you're running from is salvation. Maybe you're watching at home. Maybe on your break at work. And you need Jesus Christ in your life. You had a relationship with him. It's fractured. God hasn't moved. God's not the one who lets you go. It's very important. It's very important that we understand he's waiting with open arms. He's calling you, come home today. All over this house, I'd ask you to receive this. Watching this at home, I'd ask you to receive this. Believe this in your heart. Father, forgive me. I've sinned. I believe that you came. You died. You rose again, Jesus, for my salvation to pay for my sin. You paid the sin price. Father, forgive me. I come to you because you came to me. I love you because you first loved me. I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Wednesday, 7 p.m., Facebook Live. Please tune in for the teaching. I hope you have an amazing week. God bless you. Love on somebody from a distance. Thank you. Have a great week.